better, smarter, faster. The neural network needed to power the digital ecosystem of healthcare is poised to transform care both inside and outside of hospital walls in traditional care settings. Meaningful data analytics positioned in real time to drive better diagnostics, intelligent operations, seamless care coordination, and integrated telehealth. This is the future of connected healthcare. We talk to the experts about transformational roadmaps for this evolving landscape, what's working, what's needed, and how we get there together. Welcome to Healthcare On Air, presented by Verizon. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Healthcare On Air by Verizon. I'm your host, Robin Goldsmith, Global Lead for Healthcare Innovation and Strategy here at Verizon, and a member of our Healthcare Insurance and Life Science practice. So today we're going to be talking about nursing. Um, we know that nurses have been in the spotlight, you know, the last few years more than ever. We're going to be talking about their place in healthcare, the challenges they're facing, how technology can take away some of the burden that they're facing every day. And I am privileged to have join me today to have this conversation, Bridget Searles, clinical strategy consultant with IBM, and Sarah Donovan, assistant professor at the University of South Carolina's College of Nursing. Sarah and Bridget, thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you, Rob. So before we dive in for what I 100% know will be an amazing conversation, let's just do some brief intros for, for the audience. Bridget, you want to start? Sure. Hi, I'm Bridget Searles. I'm a registered nurse. I have my master's in health administration and policy, and I am a clinical strategy leader at IBM consulting on our healthcare transformation team. I work with our technology teams as we work with clinicians at healthcare systems and health plans as they um, design out uh, manual work and automate some additional um, AI and uh, support to augment their daily work. Amazing. Sarah? I am a nurse, obviously. I've spent many years at the bedside in a variety of settings, and now I am in academia setting that I get to teach nursing informatics to a wide variety of students, starting at undergrad all the way up to doctoral degree students. And then I also get to play in the field of informatics and technology and see what new exciting things we can create and develop to help nurses, hopefully at the bedside and improve their work quality of life. Thank you, God. I mean, who better to have this conversation with and, you know, two nurses um, that are thinking about education, technology, and how we can all make it better for the nursing, the nursing course. So this is a, a big topic and we're going to touch on a ton of areas today. Um, I think we can all agree that at their core, you know, right at the heart of everything the nurses think about is their desire to help people at the bedside, whether that's in a hospital, at the, in the home, um, and not be overburdened with everything else they have to do during their day. Um, you both spend a lot of time thinking about you know, this, this day in the life of a nurse. And, you know, I, I, we, we talked about this before. I mean, nurses have been in the spotlight uh, the last few years more than they ever have. And I think we, we know that there's always been a staffing shortage. It's an incredibly tough job. People get into this really to help, help their fellow man. Um, so 
you know, this idea of nurses being overburdened by things outside of delivering care, which is what they want to do at the core. Let's start with that and kind of the challenges and some of the things that, you know, you're seeing that um, are burdening our nurses day to day. And maybe, Sarah, we start with you as, as you're the true expert on this. Sure. I think that when technology came on the scene, we all hoped and felt that it would help reduce that workload and that burden on the nurse to be able to free up their time to be able to spend more time with the patient. And unfortunately, as things were being developed, technology, software programs, the nurse was kind of left out of that equation. So when it was implemented and that nurse starts to using it, there are a lot of extra clicks, boxes, unnecessary elements, redundancy, and therefore, it increases that workload burden. And also, there was not a lot of time necessarily spent looking at the workflow of the nurse. So that doesn't necessarily work into their daily process. So again, they've got to do extra steps to work around that. And so when we start looking at what the nurses are experiencing at the bedside, it's not just the care of the patient. But when we start adding on these types of usability and workflow issues, it actually adds to that stress level of the nurse and actually compounds that issue and may lead to them leaving the bedside, which is not what we want. Yeah. Bridget, any thoughts on that? Um, yes. And so I think what we see, we see two different things, but most often we see technologies, new technologies um, given to nurses versus involving them in the design. So the technologies are announced, they're implemented with the nurses, but it's pretty far downstream and the nurses haven't been involved in the design. When we see the nurses involved upfront in the design, dramatic difference in the change management, a design that's effective. Um, so we really um, advocate to bring those nurses in right up front and help design any new technologies for much greater success. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, if you think about user, I mean, that user nurses are the end users for technology. They're the ones that are, you know, bringing in the carts and the insulin pumps and all the other med devices. Why wouldn't they be, you know, part of that conversation right up front? I mean, I just, I mean, I, I on a positive, I see more and more CNIOs in, in, in very, you know, positions at med tech companies and across the ecosystem, which I think is a really good sign. But yeah, why aren't they involved right up front for, for this kind of testing and development? You know, that's a question that I ask myself every single day. And in fact, this morning, I just read an article that announced that a large healthcare system was joining with Google to develop to improve the nurse handoff. But it was interesting in the article, they didn't interview nurses, they interviewed the physicians. So, and the intervention is focused on the physicians recording their assessment, which is great. And then they're translating it onto a form. But the question is, does the nurse actually find the form helpful? And does it actually help the nurse during that handoff? But nowhere in there did they say, oh, we talked to nurses and this is what they want. It was, we talked to physicians and this is what they see the barrier is. So th there's, I think, some confusion that a, a physician can represent 
and describe what the nurses need. And therefore, we've got the nurses covered when in reality that physicians and nurses are two very different disciplines, although they work as a very tight, integrated team, but they each have specific needs. And we're not always addressing the nurse's needs. We assume that it comes under that role and the needs of the physician when in reality they don't. Yeah. Bridget, anything to add? Yes, and I, I would say that may sound small or subtle, but all those minutes, right? Like anytime you have a nurse doing something extra because somebody didn't include that in the design, it's extra steps, it's extra minutes, those, those minutes turns to hours. And so that's a lot of lost time for nurses and patients who need nurses across the country or across the world. Absolutely. I mean, I when I think about nursing, I go back to when I was 18 and um, going into my senior year in high school. And, you know, I, you know, I was at a sports camp at the University of North Carolina, you know, in great shape. And, you know, sure enough, I had a major health event and, you know, ambulance rolls up to the field, get carted off, you know, spend the next month in the University of North Carolina Medical Center, um, lose about 50 pounds and, um, I just remember so clearly how much the nurses were, I always say this, they're the angels of the hospitals. They really were my friends. They were like my support, all the tubes and things I had going in and out of me. They just made, they were just like the, the, the safety net that I trusted that, you know, the doctors came in and did the rounds and teaching hospitals. So they came in live eyes, but the nurses are there for everything. So again, thank you. Thank you for what you do first and foremost. But it kind of, you know, I, I spend a lot of time, as you know, talking about this connected hospital and a lot of technology and how we're adding more and more technology into hospitals. And I think it's, I'd love your opinion on this, but I think it's out of necessity because we are challenged with staffing. I think everyone I speak to, there's there's not enough nurses or doctors. And how can we not replace, but enhance the care delivery of nurses or doctors? So I'd, I'd love any thoughts on that of kind of this, how do we utilize technology better to just fill in those gaps that we know, you know, are, are there from a staffing perspective? Bridget, go ahead. Well, I think it goes back to the design, right? Like with any technology project. Um, and I think we really need to bring those nurses in upfront um, because if we look at like electronic medical records, those were again, just deployed with the nurses, you know, not a lot of design input, et cetera. Mm. So I think that's really the key. We've lost to date, we've lost time, nurse patient time at the bedside because of technology and the way they've been deployed. Not saying we don't need electronic medical records, we do, but bringing, you know, having brought those nurses in up front, I think we could have all saved time and, and, plenty of money as well. Um, but I think bringing those nurses in up front, then you'll end up with a technology that solves problems, removes manual work, augments the nurse, provides him or her with what they need, information to choose from, or you know, anything they need on the ready, supplies, medical equipment type of thing. Yeah, I hear a lot of kind of the, the buzz, I'm sure you do too, of how do we automate things? You know what what can be automated, and and if 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 what I'm hearing from you is that 
you know, the technology should be vetted and tested by the nurses first to get their input. Because we know that if, if it's not easy to use or doesn't fit into this workflow, they're not going to use it. So it's just another technology that probably was expensive that's going to sit and no one uses it. The nurses don't use it. It's easy to use. It's not going to happen. Um, the, any, any thoughts on that as we think about automation, Sarah? And how, how can that make the, the nurses' lives a bit easier and take away that time of you know, more and more clicks. We hear a lot about, you know, click overload for doctors and nurses. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So I go back to when I was working on my master's in nursing informatics, and I had the opportunity to attend the HIMSS conference in New Orleans that year. And Judy Murphy, who at that time was at IBM and who is a leader in nursing informatics, and she made the comment on stage, she said, if you want to know the problem and how to fix it, find a nurse and ask them. And she had all the nurses stand up and she said, if there's a nurse near you, find them and ask them, what are the problems? What are the issues and how do they fix it? Yep. And that has stuck with me because that's not what's happening. So we look at maybe the data that's being entered into the electronic health record and we realize that either there's gaps or it's missing, but nobody goes to the nurse and asks them, why aren't you filling this in? Well, maybe it's because the drop-down options are not appropriate, so the nurse just skips it all together. But instead of having that conversation, they make assumptions and then we implement policies that really don't get to the etiology or the problem to, to fix it. So I would say always start with a nurse, sit down with them and say, okay, what issues are we having here that are acting as a barrier to you providing quality health care? Or look at the workarounds that they're doing. I think that is always a wonderful place to start. Nurses are very innovative and creative, and we're going to find a way to make it happen. So, okay, why are they doing this workaround? What's wrong with our technology? our electronic health record, that they have to do this. Don't reprimand the nurse for trying to find a creative way to make it work. Fix the technology so that it does work for them. And so those would be a couple places that I would recommend that we start and start having those conversations with the nurses. You have to remember there are 5 million nurses in the United States. They are the largest healthcare workforce. Why not have conversations with them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Bridget. Yep, yeah, please. Robin, just to expand on that. So absolutely start with the nurse. Um, a piece of advice to just make sure you're not automating the legacy process from 30 to 40 years ago. But at the same time, really invest up front. Take the time to look at what do we want the process to really be, right? Once the nurses help you with here are the gaps, here are the issues, then look at that process and how you transform the process before you add the technology in, just to be sure you're not, you know, think big, right? Don't just automate the legacy process because that may not be successful. Absolutely. And I love what you said, Sarah, about nurses or go ask a nurse and the ingenuity. I mean, we saw it in COVID, right? I mean, we, we they, they, they used or they created anything they could do to some of the you know terrible situ situations we all saw. But I'm just you know they're equipping them with just things to make their lives easier, you know, and things we should have done. We we've learned a lot coming out of that. But I have a I have an question. I've, I've been thinking about this. You know, when you think about recruiting retention, this is right in your warehouse, Sarah, and training these nurses. You know. It, we're looking at 
digital first natives that are coming into the workforce. And how important or how important is having great technology as a as a way to recruit nurses, retain them, equip them with with technology that you know they're they've been raised with? I, I'd love any thoughts on that. Yeah, that's a really interesting question because I do teach um, undergraduates. I get them second semester when they're freshmen. And yes, they are digital natives. What I have found, though, is they use the technology, but they don't always know necessarily the ins and outs of navigating or using it to its full extent. And that, I think, was one of those shocking things that we still kind of have this gap in the understanding of even basic computer functioning. What I have found out is that in a lot of schools, they remove the computer 101 courses. So things like file management that we all assume is standard is not anymore. Mm. So that's one of the things that we're addressing at our level is to try to integrate in our nursing informatics courses for our um, BSN students okay, here's how you name and save files. Here are the standards that you should be following to help them as they progress because they're going to need that as a career in nursing. And so I always approach it that technology is here to stay. It is to help you. And so the more you can learn about it and how to use it is really going to help you in the long run throughout your entire nursing career. So, yes, but I think it's interesting that, yes, we need to make sure that we are using the technology that they are very much used to. The cell phone is with them constantly. So they would much rather text than read emails. So how do we adapt that when we step into the acute care health facility and we're sending emails, we need workers, that type of thing. How do we adapt that and change that to text messages, which is what their preference is? So I think we have a lot of thinking to do. And then also in that educational element, Mm -hmm. um, they don't like lectures. So that is a challenge for me as I'm moving into this. How do I use the technology also to help them learn? Introducing them to chat GPT, um, you know, how do you summarize a quiz for yourself to learn? So I think being creative, but definitely meeting them where they're at as much as you can is important. And that applies to that technology in the hospital as well. They're not going to use a desktop computer for most communication. They're going to do it on the phone. So how do we provide them with the tools on the phone because that's what they're going to use. Absolutely. Bridget? Yes, I think Sarah covered it pretty well. I'm not sure I have anything to add to that one. All good. You brought up two things that I I (laughs) jump on here, chat GBT and this idea of communication. Um, I guess I'll start with the communication piece and then we'll we'll circle back in AI. So, you know, there, there has to be seamless nurse workforce communication within the hospital. I'm, I'm, I'd love your thoughts on, you know, what is the current state of that, Sarah? Is that happening? Are we like many things in a hospital still siloed from a communication perspective? And how is that affecting the day-to-day lives of nurses? 
Yeah, Bridget and I have spent some time over the past year and a half talking to bedside nurses as well as people in other departments. And I think consistently we're still seeing silos within the hospital. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leaves that nurse at that disadvantage, especially if they are looking for the proverbial bladder scanner or I need a gurney, I need something for my patient. There is still that lack of communication to let the nurses know, oh, the bladder scanner is located here, or we have this many items of this medical device out for repair, so we don't have any right now. So again, there's that still that lack of communication between the disciplines. I think it's getting better, but I think there's a lot of way that technology can strengthen that and advance that to give people real-time information via the phone, which is what they want, to help them provide the care that they need for their patients. We're going to stop there for now and continue this amazing conversation next week in episode two. Until then, we have a lot of great episodes that you can listen to wherever you get your podcasts. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you next time.